is drawn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14. I'm going to read from verse 13 through 33, and just a little uh, snippet from John's Gospel, chapter 6, uh, verses uh, 26 and 27. But first, let's hear from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, beginning verse 13 through verse 33. This being the word of God, let us hear it and hear it well. Matthew fourteen thirteen. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by a ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place. The time is now past. Send the multitude away that uh, they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said to them, They need not depart. Give you them to eat. They say to him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, bring them here to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled and they took up of the fragments that remained twelve baskets full and they that had eaten were about five thousand men beside women and children. Straight away, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came And worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. And just a bit after this had happened, this is recorded in John's Gospel as well in the sixth chapter, but a word here, just to sort of get us in the right mood, In verses 26 and 27, after he fed the 5,000, after he walked on the water to them, uh, he 
He says to them in verses 26 and 27 of John's Gospel, chapter 6, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for that meat which endures for unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give to you. For him hath the God the Father sealed. Interesting comment about this. May the Lord bless the reading of his word heard. And again, Heavenly Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you be with us to strengthen us through your word. Even in the things we already have come to know and understand, learn and love, we pray that you would impress us some more through the hearing of your word. For this, too, we ask in the name of thy dear Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I was uh, attending seminary back in 1981 to about 83, 84. And uh, prior to my wedding day, the call I was given to serve the Lord in his church and having my children... Prior to that, that was the best time in my life. 1981 to about 1984. 1984, I was at the Boardwalk Chapel that whole summer. I met my wife to be there. Got engaged a year after that. Best time in my life. Prior to my life being filled with, uh, with church and God's people and then my children uh, coming. While at seminary, I learned many things. And it was sort of sponge time for me. I, I was just a sponge. I, I, I had never heard the things before that I heard at seminary. And so I just drank it all in. Filled me up. That's probably why I was so happy. And everybody you met, everyone, was willing to talk to you about the scriptures, about theology, about biblical interpretation, about Greek, about Hebrew. You know, it was just fabulous. A lot of things to learn. They taught us at seminary that when you look at a passage of Scripture, you need to understand the Hebrew and the Greek of it a bit, you know, just to make sure that the words are interpreted correctly and there's not some nuance there going on with the words. Uh, you need to apply certain hermeneutical principles. Every passage, you know, hermeneutical principles like Scripture, interpret Scripture. You don't develop doctrines or behaviors from uh, 
obscure passages, one proof text or something like that, but always from clear scripture, always what is clear in scripture, you develop doctrine and behavior from that first. Uh, you know, principles like that, principles of interpretation, you need to know the historical context and the cultural milieu. <coughs> and, you know, in order to appreciate the text and what's going on all the more. And while all of that is true and serves to this day, uh, need to read some commentaries on the scripture, people that have made it a life's ambition to study a particular book or text and write about it. <clears throat> and all of that is fine. But the thing that matters most, the thing that brings all of that learning together in a profound way, an impactful way upon a person is faith. You have to believe it in order to appreciate it, in order to get to its meaning and its message. You can read about scripture, you can study the Greek, you know the Greek, you know the Hebrew, you know the cultural milieu, you know the, uh, the historical context, you have read a commentary or two or three or four, whatever, uh, and, uh, and yet not really get the message. Not really get the meaning without faith. Faith, what it does is you, you go to the scripture, and, and a scripture like this, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, it's also in Mark's Gospel, it's also in John's Gospel, uh, the same accounting, slightly different, but the same, the, the same uh, <clears throat> happening, same circumstance, same situation, in all those Gospels. Faith, what it does... It's, it's like a, a flower that begins to blossom in front of you. The scripture becomes like a flower that blossoms in front of you. And so the first question that I have to ask us this morning, do you truly believe in these miracles? Do you really believe that Jesus fed 5,000 men plus women and children with five loaves and two fishes? Do you really believe that? And there were 12 baskets full of food, bread and fish, after they were all done eating to their full, to their fill. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that in the midst of a troubled sea, a tumultuous sea, winds blowing, boisterous it is, noisy, and that he is walking on water unimpeded? Do you really believe that? That that actually, literally happened? You see, because if you do not really believe that this is reporting factual events, factual events, the feeding of the 5,000 plus men and women, and the walking on the water, the, the scripture will not 
blossom into your soul, before your soul. You must have faith. You must believe it. Yeah, the disciples cried out. They were nervous. They were troubled. They were rowing, 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 going nowhere probably. <clears throat> they were wondering, woe is me. They were fearful because of a storm. Because of a troubled sea. Experienced fishermen. They weren't so troubled about the sea. They were. Fear was starting to well up inside them. They were more troubled that when they saw someone walking on the water, it was a ghost. So they were superstitious. No such thing as ghosts. <coughs> so what, what's going on here? Jesus walking on the water. Okay. Who can do that? Who can really do that? In the midst of a storm, waves, winds and waves going all over the place, the ship going back and forth, and he is walking unimpeded through a storm, not troubled by it at all, not hindered by it at all. Who can do that? Not even with all the technology we have can we do that. But that's not the point of the miracle, is it? I mean, it's there. Obviously, only God could do that. There's something more to this miracle, to these miracles, that we need to know. But before we get into the message and the meaning of the miracle, remember what I told you about miracles in the Bible. We're not talking about miracles that people talk about all the time and say, God, you gave me a miracle. God performed this healing and it was miraculous and all that stuff. No, no. A miracle in the Bible is called a sign and a wonder. Keep that in mind. It's a sign. It's a representation of something else. And it's a representation presented in a wondrous way. That's why it's called a sign and a wonder. It's a representation that's given to us in a wonder. Revealed to us in a marvelous way, a wonderful way. Well, what is that? But before get into that meaning, the message, the meaning of it, I want to to ask you: Are you fearful when things happen to you? Or when things surrounding you or are around you, there's, uh, there's trouble. Now, obviously, there are natural fears. There are sort of 
instinctual fears, if you will. If you're standing on a street corner and you step out and a car comes swiftly down the road and blows his horn, shouts his horn at you, you're going to jump out of the way. Yeah, you're going to be afraid of that for a moment. That's a natural fear, right? That's something you can't control. And there are a lot of fears like that. I'm not talking about those kind of fears. I'm speaking about the things that happen in the daily course of life. Other people are afraid. They reason that they don't have an answer. They don't have a solution for it. They, whatever it may be. It could be an illness. It could be something else. A war, threat of war, loss of property, financial problem. You know, it could be, uh, uh, do you get fearful over these things? Do you become fearful? I, th- I think many of us have to admit that from time to time. Yeah, I have been afraid. Like these disciples, I... I fear. I, I think thoughts that are not biblical. I think and I behave in my own strength, my own power. I think that I have to deal with this alone, and I can't. It's beyond my control. It's overwhelming. And fear sets in. Anxiety. I know you have felt this way. I have felt this way. We all have felt this way from time to time. And you know something? In the year 2022, which has just begun, there's going to be troubles that come our way. Because in this world, you will have trouble. God promised that. What are you going to do? Fear? Be afraid? There's always something about which to be afraid. These disciples were wondering, what in the world are we doing out here? Why did we come? Wait a minute. Jesus, it says here that Jesus constrained them. You know what that word means? Forced them. He pushed them. After the crowd, the multitudes were fed, and uh, Jesus was going to lead them away back home, start them on their way home. He, uh, he told his disciples, you get in this boat, and you row to the other side, the other shore. And he pushes them. He sort of pushes them into the boat, and he shoves the boat out onto the sea. So the disciples, at this point, wondering, why did he do that? You know, once they get into trouble, well, you know, they're rowing fine, and all of a sudden the storm comes up, and then they're in the midst of this storm, and it's, they're going nowhere. They're, they're all uh, 
nervous about things, and uh, they're far off usually when they when they they're, they're experienced fishermen, and they were on seas before troubled waters, but they were close enough to make a mad dash for the shore. But here, they're in the middle someplace. They're they're all the way out. They're far out. They're going all the way to the other side. Why are we here? In this storm, in this trouble, we can't, we're not getting anywhere. What are we going to do? The Lord shoved us out into this mess. And he's not here with us. Why did he do that? He knows, he knew, he knew that a storm was coming. He knew that the storm was going to hit us. And he's not here. Is, is, he, is he through with us? Did he leave us alone? Has he left us alone to fend for ourselves now? What's going on? And they're nervous and they're anxious about this. <clears throat> they knew that Jesus knew all things. And he knew what situation would come about upon them. And he just let them go. <clears throat> they were at a uh, place one time, if you remember, it was a time before, when they were out on the water and a storm, a squall as they call it, arose and the ship was being tossed to and fro and it was about to be torn apart and the Lord Jesus Christ is sleeping in the bottom of the ship and they come to him and cry to him, Lord, don't you care what's going on? Do you see? Do you hear the noise, the racket? It's a tempestuous sea. It's a boisterous sea. It's all around us. What do we do? And he comes up and he says to the wind, be calm. He says to the wind, stop blowing. To the sea, be calm. And instantly the wind stopped blowing and the sea was calm. And that's when they said, Lo, he, what manner of man is this that he controls the wind and the water, the wind and the waves? Who can do that? And so he knew... He knew that this was going to be a storm, but now he's absent. Where is he? Has he left us? Does he care anymore? Is it our time to fend for ourselves, to be out on our own? What is going on? Why did he do this to us? Is he testing us or something? What, what's and, and I believe, as other commentators pointed out, that the disciples began to become agitated, angry even, that he, he left them like this, left them, as they call it, in a lurch. 
Have you ever felt that the Lord has left you in a lurch, so to speak? As he, uh, have you ever cried, why, why, Lord, why me? Why this? Why now? Why this trouble at this time? It's all I need. You know, we're not much different than the disciples at times, are we? We question the Lord and his uh, plan, his purpose, his orchestration of our lives. And we're troubled. Troubled Lord. You're causing me trouble. I know you're in control. I know you're sovereign. I know you're God. You're in control of everything. Why this? Why now? Why send me this? Ye, speaking with me, about me too, ye of little faith. That's what he said to his disciples. Ye of little faith. They would, they did not believe the miracles, the message of the miracles. What is, what was the message of the miracles here? In order to understand the miracle of his walking on water, you must understand the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 plus. They go together. They deliver a powerful word. That we need to hear. The disciples needed to hear it. And we need to hear it today. What is that word? What is the miracle of the of feeding 5,000 plus people with five loaves of bread and two fishes mean? To the disciples and to the people, you know what it meant? God's going to take care of my basic needs. God is going to fill my belly. God is going to provide whatever it is I need in this life so that I can exist in this life physically. That's what it meant to the people, and that's what it meant to the disciples. And at that time, the other gospel account says that they wanted to make him king. All things were going well at this point. 5,000 plus people were fed to their fill by a miracle. God delivers through his son, Jesus Christ. He delivers them. They're safe and sound. They know that this man is able to protect them because uh, they get, look, the disciples were all for getting rid of Herod. This is Christ. This is the Messiah. Make him king. They riled up the people. Make him king. Make him king. The disciples were behind that, you know. And they wanted to, this, at this time, Jesus is going to give us what we need. He's going to give us all the food we need. We're going to be filled. We don't even have to make the effort. He's going to protect us. You have to remember that he has angels to protect them. Rome is no power against him. This is what the people believed. This is what the disciples believed at that time after the feeding of the 5,000. In other words, 
Their bellies were doing the interpretation, the talking. Their bellies were informing them. Their so-called safety from ill, from sickness, from ill health, from bad situations, adverse circumstances. We have Jesus to take us and protect us and provide for us and lift up, lift up Israel once again and make it the kingdom it should be. This is what the way they interpreted this miracle. The feeding of the 5,000. That Jesus was going to restore the kingdom of God in an earthly fashion. Giving us all we need and protecting us from any, any adversities. Does that gospel sound familiar to you today? It's in the evangelical places. It's in churches all over the place. That that's what God wants to do with us. And the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 shows that. Wrong! But that's the way it was interpreted. By the people that want to make him king after this. And, and his own disciples. So now comes this next miracle. Shortly thereafter, right? Very next miracle. And the storm is raging and the ship is being tossed to and fro. The disciples are in a lot of trouble. And all of a sudden, in the midst of all this noise, uh, tumultuousness, the boisterousness, everything going crazy, haywire, they see this image of someone or something walking in the midst of all this trouble, unimpeded, straight towards them. And they look out. Do you see this? What is that? And what do you do when you fear? The first thing that comes to your mind, usually your superficial self, your superficial and superstitious self comes out of you. A ghost, a spirit that's going to take us and drag us to the abyss. That's what they thought. It's in their heart. It's what they believed. The spirit of ghost. Have you ever gone to a uh, place that's supposedly haunted? Have you ever visited one of those places? A haunted house? A a place that's known for its mysterious, mystical, ghostly stuff. You know, when I was into Transcendental Meditation, we had a, a center set up right next to the house in Amity, uh, Amityville. Remember Amityville Horror? That movie? Uh, you heard about it? That, that house was on the same block that we had our meditation. It was right next to the meditation center. 
used to go by it all the time. used to shout towards it. Hey, come out here. Ghost, come out. Peekaboo, I see you. Because we weren't superstitious. Had anything come out, though, you could bet we would have believed that that is a ghost. There's something to it, and we would have run for our lives. You know, we like that. <clears throat> All the disciples are, uh, are seeing this ghost that they think is a ghost. And Jesus has to calm them down and say, no, it's, it is I. Be not afraid. Be of, che- be of good cheer. It's I. I'm coming towards you. And then, of course, they realize it was the master, and Peter asked to, to walk on the water with him. Believed that first, but then when he saw the trouble. Uh, so what's the point of all this? Well, the point that Jesus was making in the walking on the water, the miracle of the walking on the deep blue sea, as some commentators uh, call it, the, the uh, lessons from the deep blue sea. Uh, the, the first lesson, and you, you heard this in the Gospel of John. I'll, I'll read it to you again. After this miracle, after all these things happened, right? the feeding of the 5,000 and the walking on the water, he says to them in verses 26 and 27 in the accounting of uh, John in his Gospel, chapter 6, chapter, verse 26, Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say to you, ye seek me not because you saw the miracles, because you saw the miracles, but you did didn't understand them. You misconstrued, you misinterpreted the meaning and the message of the sign and the wonder that you just witnessed. Twice. You missed it. But you're following me because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. In other words, you think that I've come to establish an earthly kingdom that gives you all, meets all your needs that relieves your poverty and fixes you when you're ill so you don't have to suffer. That's not the message. That's not the sign and wonder. You've misconstrued. You are following me because you think, because you, you ate the loaves and were filled. You think I'm going to establish an earthly kingdom for you. And then he says to them, Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for that meat which endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give to you. For him has God the Father sealed. You see, God was sort of setting them up, in a way, to understand better. He was relieving the disciples of their misconception that God was to establish an earthly kingdom. So he gives the miracle of the five, he feeds the 5,000 plus first with fish and bread. And naturally the people are thinking that because their stomachs are filled and they're satisfied and Jesus is taking care of all of their needs at that particular time, that he's the Messiah that's going to take care of all the rest of their needs. That they never have to worry again. That he's going to establish a kingdom where your poverty is going to vanish and you're not going to get sick. Because he's healing the sick, right? Wherever he goes, he has compassion and he heals the sick. So he's going to heal me? 
And he's going to serve me food. And he's going to, you know, just extrapolate from that. He's going to give, you know, protect my house and my car and my yacht. And he's going to give me everything I need. Because that's what he wants to do, right? That's the kind of kingdom that he's come to establish. This was in the minds of the people there. It was in the minds of the disciples. He's an earthly king. So then Jesus sets them off. He pushes them out. He shoves them out and says, go. Knowing that the Father and He are going to send a storm. And this storm is going to trouble them so much. And they are going to think that they say, God is going to bring out their superstition. And they are going to think wrong thoughts. But I'm going to correct them. And the correct thing is that I have not come to feed you physical food and to heal you of all your physical ailments. That's not the meaning of the miracle. Yes, I did feed you food. I fed you bread and fit meat and bread, staples for life, to show you that I am the bread of life. That I am going to feed your soul unto everlasting life. The bread and the fish and the drink and all that other stuff that you have was only going to satisfy for a little while. I have come to satisfy you forever. He comes walking on the water. To disciples, he, he exposes their fearfulness. He exposes their superstition. They believe in ghosts. There are no such thing as ghosts. There aren't spirits going to haunt you or take you and drag you to the abyss. None of that. You know why? Because I am with you. You think that you're alone in the storm. The, the, the storm, by the way, the stormy water, the wind and the waves and the, the, the noise of the sea are representations of the world. The stormy sea is the world. It represents the world in which we live. It's full of adversities. It's full of contrary winds. It's full of contrary doctrines and errors and sinfulness and all. I am with you in the storm of this world. You thought I wasn't with you because you didn't see me there. But I have always been with you. And what I was doing, it says that Jesus was, went up and after he, he led the multitudes away, he went to a mountain and prayed. What do you think? And for whom was he praying? He was praying that the miracle and the message of the miracle and the stormy sea and the walking on the water would reveal to his disciples the truth that I've come to save your souls. I've come to save you everlastingly. That you need to trust in me as the bread of life and I will feed your soul and you will be filled forever. You need to know that even though you don't see me, because I put you out on a sea, I knew the storm was coming because I sent the storm to wean you off of this idea 
that I have come to establish an earthly kingdom, to heal all your sicknesses instantly, and to feed or meet all your needs. That's not why I came. I came to save your soul. I came to sacrifice myself for your sin, so that your sin will not take you to hell. I've come to save you from this world in which you would sink. The waters would, the, the, the storms of life would overflow and just bring you down and your children down, down, down till you die and go to hell. I have come to save you from this world, this world full of sin and sickness and death. And evil, every evil under the sun. I have come to save you from all that, from this, the storms of this world. And I have come to feed you the bread of life, eternal life, for your soul. That is the message of these miracles. Jesus wanted to wean these disciples off of that idea that he had come to provide for their physical needs. And that he was, and the other thing is, he, did, he comes to provide for the spiritual needs, the eternal needs. And the other thing is that you thought you were alone out there in the stormy sea, but you weren't. I sent that storm to teach you. I walk on the water to show you that there's a calm in the midst of the storm, and that calm is around me. So when you go through the storms of life, remember, I'm with you. When you go through troubles, when you are in pain or there's some agony in your life or there's a loss or whatever it may be, understand this, that you're not alone. I am with you. And I'm the calm. I'm the center that you need to focus on. Think of it, people. It applies to today very much. The people are running them up. They're all in trouble. They're all in fear. They're all thinking this way and that. They've got to go here. They've got to go there. Anything. Save us. Save us from this dread disease. Save us from the. I am the calm in the storm of life. Whatever the storm may be. Focus on me. Your attention. And you will be able to walk on troubled waters. Just like me. That's the message of these miracles that Jesus is teaching to his disciples first because they had to learn it and still to us today because we still have to learn it and teach it to our children, our sons and daughters who are going to be focused on the physical because that's the way they are by nature. need to get their attention off themselves and on to another. Not you, Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful message? That's such a wonderful... This is what the miracles mean. They're signs and wonders of a greater reality, greater truth, the spiritual reality. And that's why they're so precious. So, dear people, what's the word that I have to say? Well, it's the word that Jesus told his disciples when they were afraid, when they were troubled. 
when they were misdirected by their own superstitions and their own thoughts about an earthly kingdom and an earthly king. He says to them in verse 27, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. I am always with you. Don't ever think that I am not with you. I'm always with you. Focus. Dear people, precious people of mine, focus on me. Let us pray. Heavenly Lord, we are thankful today for your word. What a wonderful, what a wonderful message. The miracles just, just do it so much for us when we, we see the marvelous spiritual truths that are communicated in wondrous fashion uh, through these miracles which you did. And uh, we praise your holy name for them. Lord, may we take them home in our hearts and remember always, remember always not to be afraid because you are with us. You are taking care of us. You are the center of our life. Not our troubles, not the storms of life, but you. In the midst of a storm, in the midst of trouble, we can find a calm and a peace, even a joy, by focusing our faith, our soul's eye, on Jesus Christ, our great God and Savior. It's in your name we pray. Amen.